0: Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's Analysis Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This episode looks at one of the aspects of the Economic Stimulus Package announced by the government that was done in five tranches last week. There were of course several aspects to it, and while it's difficult to discuss all the details threadbare, one could make a distinction, even when the package was being announced, between measures meant to address immediate problems and those that were clearly reforms meant for the long term. The response to the package as a whole was fairly lukewarm. There were questions asked about the Rs 20 lakh crore calculation. It also didn't really elicit any kind of major response from the financial markets in support. But there was some buzz, some healthy debate at least, on the reforms announced for agriculture. Particularly those having to do with agri-markets or trade in agriculture. One of the immediate reactions to it, which was kind of invoking a powerful analogy, was that it was agriculture's 1991 moment in terms of reform. So that's what we'll be discussing today. The reforms pushed by the government are to remove certain foodstuffs from the Essential Commodities Act, thereby deregulating them opening up interstate trade to farmers to sell their produce beyond the APMC markets in their states, the APMC Mandis, and also coming up with a legal framework for contract farming. We're going to address this particularly from a trade perspective and address questions about whether this could play out even beyond domestic markets and help with farm exports, if enough has actually been done to ensure good conditions for that to happen. My guest today is Dr. Biswajit Dhar, professor at the Center for Economic Studies and Planning at JNU. Among other things, he's an expert on trade-related issues and is one of the Hindu's regular columnists. Dr. Biswajidhar, Dhar, thank you so much for joining the uh, Hindus in Focus podcast today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Right, so we'll speak specifically in this podcast about uh, trade and agriculture, um, the economic package, the economic stimulus package announced by the government to deal with the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. Um, you know, mo- uh, there were a lot of aspects to it. Much of them received kind of, let's say, middling responses. But uh, in terms of um, the uh, reforms. The measures announced for agriculture, uh, that was a bit different because, you know, with the caveat that uh, this may not lead to immediate changes, it was kind of hailed as a kind of um, 1991 moment uh, for agriculture, if you like. So, um, the 1991 trope actually allows us to kind of circle back and ask, um, why did uh, reforms never, why did reforms actually pass the agriculture sector by, um, reforms like these? So, I just wanted to ask you. Um, you know, especially with regard to trade, um, why were things like the Essential Commodities Act, um, why were they never changed in this way?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the main reason is that uh, uh, agriculture, being a, a, a sensitive uh, area and uh, being linked to this whole um, issue of food security, which was the primary driver for agriculture, you know, no government actually took the uh, uh, liberty of uh, liberalizing agricultural markets. So it happened both ways, you know, both in terms of uh, opening up uh, agriculture to trade, you know, we did not uh, liberalize uh, agriculture to the extent we did uh, for manufacturing sector, you know, and in, in, in uh, most of the critical uh, products uh, which are uh, relevant for our food security needs, the tariffs are, are actually quite high, they're, they're, they're 80% and above. And uh, and and along with it, you know, the the market was actually strictly controlled, uh, so that uh, you know the, the traders did not have an opportunity uh, to dump the uh, critical agricultural products in the international market. So so it was uh, uh, you know very careful monitoring of the agricultural markets that was uh, undertaken by the governments earlier, uh, and and uh, as I said that that was directly. Um, A link to the sensitivities in agriculture, uh, that is uh, the food security and livelihoods.
0: Right. Um. So you know this is this has been a fairly complicated issue because you know despite the fact that these uh, reforms are now being announced by the Modi government, their one of their first moves back in 2014 was actually to bring onions and potatoes under the Essential Commodities Act, and it also imposed limits on the maximum quantity of onions any wholesaler or retailer could keep just a few months ago. So, I mean, I didn't actually ask you, um, you know, to, to actually get into detail about the Essential Commodities Act and how it works, but perhaps, you know, through answering this, we can also address that, um, you know. So there are clearly com- some competing tensions here in terms of, you know, deregulation, deregulating this act and protecting prices. So how can they be reconciled?
1: Yeah, this is the the biggest challenge, I think, going forward because, uh uh, you know the reason all these products were uh, commodities were brought under Essential Commodities Act as I was alluding to earlier. That you know they, the government really wanted to uh, keep a strict control over uh, over prices and availability. And and you know that all these uh, commodities that have now been sort of uh, you know sort of deregulated. Uh, you know the the cereals and potatoes and onions. Uh, these these commodities have gone through. Uh, typical agricultural cycle, you know, you have had uh, periods of uh, of glut, and then we have had periods of shortages, and and therefore um, it was very important for the for the government uh, to keep uh, keep a control over the over over the market for these commodities. So so the Essential Commodities Act was was uh, intended to uh, make uh, these products. Uh, or any, you know, now, you know, some of these masks and all have also been brought in the Essential Commodities Act. These are basically, uh, the Essential Commodities Act is basically intended to uh, avoid, uh, uh, you know, speculation or um, speculative tendencies in the market and also ensure that the the products are uh, available uh, at, uh, you know, at affordable prices to the consumers. Uh, and and this has been right through because you know over a period of time we have seen uh, essential commodities extend from things like fertilizers to drugs to you know, agricultural agricultural commodities most certainly so a whole lot of commodities where uh, there was uh, a problem of or, or, or uh, 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 you know the, the, the prices were sensitive and availability was uh, you know was in question so the problem now is that you know the uh, you know the deregulation and for the same reason that i mentioned uh, once you deregulate the market then of course uh, you know the, the, the twin uh, uh, you know objectives of ensuring availability and uh, and controlling prices uh, in, a, in in these commodities where you have these cycles it, this these may this may become a a, a bit difficult for the government uh, and, um, you know, I, 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 I don't understand what is the logic but I presume the, the, the changes would be driven by the immediate uh, condition of the market because we know that agricultural commodities, uh, are, uh, these commodities are now in surplus. So, you know, on the one hand, you have the, the, the rubbish crop, which is, uh, you know, the, we have two stocks of grains and uh, the new, new grain, the new stock has also come in. And uh, uh, so there is uh, a glut in the market. Similarly, on uh, the vegetables, you know, because the uh, the you know the logistics and the, the supply chains have actually collapsed. Uh, there are glut- There is, there is there is glut in the market. And I think the government is now trying to uh, you know get the, uh, the private players in the market uh, more, and also looking at exports. That is one of the things that they are talking about. So they are trying to, uh, you know, sort of, uh, they bought into this, this kind of uh, uh, a mode essentially to clear the market. So it's a clear market clearing exercise. I can't see a sense of actually amending this act uh, and uh, putting all these sensitive commodities uh, uh, out of the Essential Commodities Act. Uh, there is going to be a there is going to be um, an amendment, uh, you know, the ordinance brought to uh, to this effect. So I, I don't see how this is going to play out even in the in the in the in the short run. In the next few months, we might again run into uh, shortages of onion and and potato, uh, and then we might have to reverse the decision.
0: Right. So when you say market uh, clearing, uh, sir, so you mean you mean to sort of boost up the markets, or what does that mean exactly?
1: no. no I, as I said. At, at this point, you know you, we, there is there is there is uh, uh, you know there are excess commodities in the market. Huh? Right. So, okay. so, like I like I mentioned that the you know the the red, rubby stocks are already there, huh? and now yeah. you already and then you have a new crop which will uh, add to those stocks. So, so the government wants to get rid of these stocks. Huh? So, in whatever way, huh? so they are also talking about exports and stuff like that. The same thing is happening in in case of vegetables. Huh? Because of the, as I said, that the, when, because the logistics and all the transport and everything has collapsed, uh, there are surpluses which are there in the you know in the, in the fields and closer to the farmers' end, and and, and therefore the government thinks that this needs to be cleared, uh, you know, uh, at, at the earliest, uh, and and therefore they want to you know sort of dump these commodities in the international market, even in the international market. But the irony is that you know the international markets com- have completely collapsed. And very interestingly, the day this was, these these policies were announced by the finance minister, the same day, commerce ministry came up with the numbers on on exports. The exports for April had had uh, uh, declined by sixty percent. So you can obviously see that there is there is no demand in the international market. So I don't know how uh, you know the government's policies of clearing it using the international market as um, you know. Uh, through
0: the international market is really going to work out. Okay, right. So, I mean, let's just take the case of onions because I think that's the crop where you know, um, in common perception, that's the crop where you know you always see these fluctuations in prices. Um, it's kind of a it's a kind of a cyclical thing that we can't seem to break out of. And theoretically, at least, one would assume that if you had a more if, if you had a better plan policy of you know being able to export when it's when there's a glut when uh, or import when there's a shortage that this could be sort of better managed now not not just in the short term but give, even if some something like the deregulation of this essential commodities act goes through how could it uh, how could it help with something like onion prices
1: yeah i i, I don't think uh, you know i think it's, this is true for both onions and potatoes uh, right. and um, you know after after the monsoon season you know depending on how bad the monsoon is uh, how how bad the floods are you know, uh, you know the onion, the potato crop also uh, uh, is at the mercy of, of the rains. So in both these these uh, crops, we have seen these cycles of 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 of, of luck and uh, and uh, shortages. And then there is a, a tendency on the part of the uh, the traders and the large traders and that, uh, to to really indulge in speculative activities. And and I think what the government uh, did uh, here, you know, in the past. Uh, was was really to uh, uh, to to, uh, to put a tab or to have a control over the speculative activities and that the speculators don't run away with the market and, uh, and therefore I think that uh, this is going to be uh, a problem going forward. I have no doubts about it that uh, the government will have to have a rethink about what it is. And the second issue is that uh, the uh, the the farmers don't benefit out of this. Eh? So if you deregulate the market, there have been plenty of uh, you know, talk uh, in uh, finance minister's uh, presentation about how this deregulation is going to be benefiting the market, the, the, the farmers. Now that's never going to happen because you know uh, the reality of Indian agriculture is that we have this very large section of of small farmers, huh? and almost 90 uh, percent of the farmers are actually small and marginal farmers. And these farmers have absolutely no control of the market. So, so the more you deregulate the market, the more I think the the farmers will be at the mercy of the of the traders. And uh, and to think that uh, with with this kind of a a, a bargaining counter that there ex- exists between traders and farmers, that the farmers will actually benefit from deregulation is is I think um, you know. Um, you know, nothing more than wishful, wishful thinking. Uh, the farmers don't don't benefit at all and, and uh, uh, you know, the agricultural markets, and I want, just want to talk a li- little bit about uh, the, the the skewed nature of markets that we have and the the, the agricultural produced marketing committees that we have, the APMC Act, and, uh, you know, that did nothing to benefit the farmers. You know, we were right in the in the in the uh, the farmers were right in the hands of these uh, uh, the, the middlemen and uh, you know the scores of middlemen that they are uh, in agriculture in, uh, in in almost all agricultural uh, commodities they have been reaping all the benefits and the farmers have actually not been getting it. and uh, you would know that uh, you know in the last two uh, uh, you know uh, three years government has actually brought in, um, in uh, you know a, a, a new framework you know they have this uh, agricultural produce and li- livestock marketing promotion facilitation act in, in a way it looks at the apmc framework in a, in, a, in a slightly different uh, way and then the, the agricultural produce and li- livestock contract farming and services promotion and facilitation act now now these two uh, uh, you know frameworks uh, you know, I just said that, you know, almost replacing the APMC uh, framework there is, is a model act. These frameworks do not get away from uh, the, the exploitative kind of relationship the, the farmers have in the, in the marketplace. So the, the middlemen are there, you know, the, 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 all these commission agents are, are very much there. And uh, there's no way that uh, the government has actually tried to reform agricultural markets. By uh, by putting in place these two uh, uh, legislations, now now my uh, uh, idea or my argument has always been that you know the farmer producer organisations had really to be strengthened, and uh, so that the farmers get the uh, uh, the the benefit of collective bargaining, and uh, we have this. You know, wonderful model in India, or the the cooperative, uh, you know, model in 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 uh, in well. Now, I don't understand why uh, no government thought of uh, extending a similar kind of model where the farmers, uh, you know, cooperatives or these farmers farmer producer organizations FPOs were strengthened so that uh, the 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 farmers could eventually benefit. So I don't see how you know, all this uh, talk of deregulation uh, would uh, do anything to uh, change the condition of the farmers. The farmers will remain, uh, they, they'll never get the, the proper realization of the, the produce in the market marketplace. Uh, so the exploitation will of the farmers will actually continue.
0: But some of these regulations do deal with uh, things like, you know, bypassing the APMC and allowing farmers to kind of enter into pre-sowing uh, contracts. With say companies that might want them to you know grow a particular kind of crop, um. But but you're saying that's not the way to really uh, help the farmer in this in this regard. No, no.
1: I think you know even 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 for that matter, contract farming, and we have a lot of these stories right from the time that PepsiCo started, uh, you know, engaging in contract farming in, in Punjab and potato potatoes and stuff like that. We have all these stories, you know, uh, on how. Contract farming really does not actually benefit the farmers eventually, because the farmers are still at the mercy of another, you know, another middleman. Because the contract farming, basically, you know, if it is a company which is actually uh, uh, handing out a contract to the farmers, the uh, the the farmers will be dependent on on the company, whatever prices that they offer. So I think that eventually the um, uh, the you know the ultimate solution or the right solution for this is to get the farmers to. Uh, to get to be better organized and and uh, the collective bargaining of farmers in this uh, agricultural markets is the way forward you know unless you have that kind of a model uh, you know these kinds of uh, uh, frameworks where you are facilitating the access of uh, of, of traders or uh, companies uh, to the farmers and then you know if you're hoping that that is going to bring better opportunities for the farmers to realize uh, the right kind of prices for their produce. I think, I think you're barking up the wrong
0: thing. Right. Okay. No, that's a really interesting point. Um. So I'm going to uh, ask you ask you a little bit about uh, exports now, because, you know, as you mentioned, some of these, some of these measures are in a way, you know, trying to play the market. Now speaking about the market for um exports of Indian farm produce, what has been the potential, um, for this, and in which and in what respects has it not been met so far?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, exports uh, farm produce, you know, we've only had uh, some of these traditional exports, and these are the ones which are dominating the agricultural exports from India. And we have not been able to uh, expand uh, the, uh, our, our basket for obvious reasons. You know, one is that we don't, we, we are not a con- country which actually produces a lot of surpluses. And this is as I said in the beginning that this is a country you know where agriculture is driven by the considerations of food food uh, food security so uh, we we produce for our own consumption and I think that the little surpluses that we talk about uh, these are these are not really uh, uh, they shouldn't actually be there at all you know if the distribution of food grains for instance was proper we wouldn't have actually got the we wouldn't have been actually sitting on the buff, buff, you know, or even on the buffer stock. Uh, you know, I the reason I'm saying this, you know, you just compare the production, appropriate production of India and China. China's production is more than double that of India, and now we have comparable population. So, and, uh, and therefore we can clearly see that an average Indian is actually consuming less than half of that, and a Chinese is is at this point in time, and. Uh, and again we all know that you know we are a country which has the largest number of undernourished people so if the distribution was right and people had and, you know the, the poor had uh, had incomes in their hands uh, possibly the uh, the amount that we produce the, the, the food grains that we produce actually run short of the demand uh, now the uh, one area where we have a lot of potential uh, in my view is is horticulture where uh, we are the second largest producer of horticulture products, but uh, because we don't have the you know we don't have the storage facilities and we don't have the cold chains in place, almost you know sometimes more than half of the produce actually goes waste because you know we, you know, we don't um, uh, we don't even uh, process them. So one area where I think there is a lot of potential and there has been some talk. Is about agro processing. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, but in the past, you know, if you you recall that uh, the government has been putting a lot of emphasis on uh, on food processing industries, but they have actually been wanting foreign investment to, to pick up this industry. So they have been, you know, uh, uh, talking about these food the food processing parks where FDI will come in. Now that's actually uh, a pretty I would say is this is not the, the right way forward because i don't think this country needs uh, foreign investment in in food processing sector and, uh, and 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 why should uh, foreign investment come in here that's also a consideration yeah so I, I think that you know there was there is a there is a serious uh, need to for the government to encourage investment in uh, in food processing sector and that and I, i've been arguing that this could be actually the, uh, the the beginning of a new model of of of, of development because if you Start uh, focusing on agriculture on, on agriculture in rural areas and uh, and make this sector as a fulcrum of of uh, of, of growth in the future because you know a uh, lot of these migrant labor has actually gone back to the rural areas now and and many of them have ex- expressed their desire not to get back to the cities at all so I think there is a need for the for absorption of this labor uh, you know, in these areas and, 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 and what better way can we do that by, and by, uh, having these food processing, food processing industry. So, so that should be the focus of, of exports, I think. And, uh, but the, the big bottleneck there and um, is that, uh, we do not produce, uh, these products, uh, conforming to the global, you know, food safety uh, standards so we have these uh, uh, sanitary and phytosanitary standards which are very strict in most of the medium markets and i think there is a need for us to really look at these standards and see how these can be applied from the farm to the factory uh, or rather to the factory gates and and how uh, we can actually be uh, uh, become uh, uh, not just globally competitive but be able to sell these products uh, uh, overcoming all these the safety considerations that are that are that, that are there in the market, so I think that uh, 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 there is a lot of lot of work to be, that needs to be done, and and I'm really uh, whenever I look at these policy documents, and including the one that was presented by the minister, and I, I get really surprised that they think that things that all these things can happen, uh, you know, without really lip- even lifting your little finger. Uh, and uh, the fact that you need to have a very uh, you know well coordinated strategy to um, to reach the global markets and to es- establish a footprint there this thing seems to be uh, you know uh, sort of escaping all our our policy makers
0: if, if i remember correctly um the, the food processing the minister in charge of food processing um has been actually talking about this for a while um so i don't think this is Actually, uh, a a new idea that the government is proposing. I'm sure previous um, minist- ministers have also spoken about this in previous dispensations. I mean, um, so I just wanted to get a little bit more detail on that. Is is the problem with that? Um, has the problem basically been getting funding for doing this?
1: Yeah, I think you know. Uh, see, the government, uh, you know, for a long time, I think um, uh, if I can, uh, you know, if I do a memory call, even before. Uh, the uh, Rajfai government, you know, there have been talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, agro processing becoming the, the focus of agriculture, you know, uh, uh, of, of, uh, exports from India. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about the huge potential that agro, agro, uh, processed agricultural products have in the international market and stuff like that. But, uh, but we've only been talking about the potential and we have not been, uh, you know. No government has actually put in place uh, the uh, you know the, the things that are required to realize this potential. Now you know, like in many sectors, you know if you if you look at the policy states statements right across the board, you'll find a lot of talk about the potential that India has. Huh? But no one has actually worked on the details or, or developed a plan how that potential can become a reality. And and that kind of a planning seems to be, uh, seems to have been missing. Now, um, you know, that was missing even during the period when you actually had a planning uh, commission in place. Now, of course, we don't have a planning commission in place. I don't know who's going to do this planning, who's going to put all the different uh, parts of this jigsaw uh, together so that it make, that makes a whole. So, mm-hmm. my uh, uh, you know, the point that I'm making is that we, there have been announcements. Uh, 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 but those announcements have not been backed by some concrete concrete action, uh, by con- concrete involvement of the uh, government in certain critical areas. Like I said, in, in case of standard, the government will have to be a, a, a big player. So, uh, 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 so there is a lot of uh, slip between the cup and the lip, if I may put it that way.
0: Dr. Biswajit I'll, I'll end that interview uh, there for now. Um, I hope we can catch up again sometime about this issue. Uh, and thank you so much for uh, giving us so much of your time today and speaking with us.
1: No, it's my pleasure.